Hey, howdy, hey, Northridge family. Hope today finds you well. Uh, we're going to start our day with prayer. Of course, there's a lot to pray about right now. We want to pray for our, our local, our state, and our national leaders. Pray for our church and our church family. Uh, pray for the other churches in Guyman. Pray for the staff of Texas County Memorial Hospital and all the health care workers. Pray for our new CEO coming in. I still haven't been able to find a, a name. So if you know the name of the person coming in, shoot me a message and let me know so I can pray for them by name. Pray for Daniel Stiles, the director of the Dunaway Manor, the board and the staff, the residents of the manor. Pray for our teachers and students and our local school boards as everything's supposed to go live on online school for tomorrow. I pray all of that goes well. The students can pick up what they're supposed to do and the year will end well. Pray for those in our community who are classified as the most vulnerable. Pray for those who are already affected by the coronavirus. Uh, we have at least one or two cases in our community, so pray about that. Pray about those who are anxious and fearful. And then pray people would turn to Jesus in this time of uncertainty. Now, one of our, our psalms for today is Psalm 95, and I will read it and then we'll pray. So says, come and let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is His also. The sea is His, and He made it. His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice... Harden not your heart, as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath they should not enter into my rest. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We do bow before you today and we seek to the best of our abilities to give you the praise and the glory you deserve. You are worthy of far more praise than we are able to comprehend. We, we want our minds to be opened, Father, to understand how great and majestic and beautiful and wonderful you are. We want our mouths to be loose so we can declare that all throughout our day and all throughout our lives. Father, we live right now in an interesting time. Things seem to be uncertain. Uh, headlines are not necessarily peace-giving. Uh, and we don't know what to do. Like Jehoshaphat, Lord, our eyes are upon you. And we need your wisdom and your guidance. And not just us. Father, all throughout our, our country, we need this. Our, our Governor Stitt needs your guidance. President Trump needs your guidance. Our local... Uh, City Council and Mayor, they need your guidance to know what needs to be done to do what is right. Our teachers, as they try to get things lined up for tomorrow and get everything online like it's supposed to be, guide them and help them and let things run smoothly. Guide the students. They would be able to pick up the online classes and they would be able to do well with it. I do pray especially for the seniors this year. Lord, there is, I would say, a lot of disappointment. And the things that they are not getting to do that are a big part of the senior year. So guide them and help them in that. Guide our new CEO of the hospital as, as that person comes in. Help them to mesh well with the staff and the board that's, that's already there. Guide that everything that they do uh, would be done well. It would be done for your glory. And it would be done in a way that would best serve our community. Continue to let the tests come back negative. Protect the staff and all of our healthcare workers so they would not get the virus. Uh, provide for the needs a hospital has, whether it would be masks, whether it would be supplies. Father, we pray your, your provision would be upon them. Bless Dan Stiles and the board and the staff and the residents of Dunaway Manor. Keep the virus out of the manor. Keep them safe and keep them healthy. Give Dan and the board wisdom that they would know how to do what needs to be done in order to best take care of the residents there. Guide 
our church. Help us to be a beacon of hope in our community. Father, that no matter what goes on as a church, we would continue to trust in you. We would continue to declare our God reigns. We would continue to pray, to seek you, to know, Lord, you can do all things and you can do what needs to be done. Let us stand in faith and let us declare the hope we have in Christ as a church. God, the other churches in our community, all of us, seeking how to best serve our community and serve our people, give us wisdom and guidance to do what needs to be done. We know, Lord, all throughout the country there are people who are afraid. Anxiety and fear run rampant right now. Give wisdom and give comfort to people in those times. Help them to turn to you, to see that you are a refuge, that you are a shelter, you are a place they can go and a very present help in a time of need. Guide us as individuals, Lord. Help us to hear your voice, to hear what you're saying, to go and to serve and to do what we can do to make a difference in our communities in this time. We ask all of this in the mighty name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Now, it has been said, prayer is the most talked about and least practiced discipline of the Christian life. For many people, prayer is often associated with guilt. Uh, and it's guilt because there's a part of us that knows our prayer lives could always be better. right? And we know it could be better because we know the value of prayer. We, we long to have a deep and an intimate and a close relationship with our God. And, and we know prayer is a massive key to that. And so we, we want to pray. We want to pray more. We want to pray better. But just as prayer is a a key to our spiritual intimacy with God. Prayer is also a key to our being victorious in spiritual battles. If we want to be able to stand in the evil day and then having done all to still be standing, we have to be a people of prayer. Listen to how Pastor John Piper described prayer. He said, we cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. We cannot know what prayer is for until we know that life is war. Life is war. Now that's not all it is, but it is certainly that. Our weakness in prayer is owning largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It's not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom or to call upstairs for more comforts from the den. God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of Christ advances in the world. Now the picture of prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie is a perfect description of prayer. A further illustration of this is found in the book called Lord Falgren's Letters. Now, Lord Falgren's Letters is a fictional book, and what it details is letters that a demon lord named Falgren gives to his underling, uh, an underling demon, as he tries to tempt and destroy humans to keep them away from Christ. Now, one of the things that Lord Falgren recommends his underling to do, one of the main things he wants them to do to distract is to keep people from prayer, which they call the forbidden talk. Right? The demons know if they can keep the disciples of Jesus away from prayer, they keep them away from Jesus, and they make them weaker and more susceptible to Satan's temptations. Now, for the last several weeks, we have been talking about the armor of God. But... Before the armor of God is really fully upon us, before it's going to fully benefit us, we have to be a people of prayer. Right? We are not prepared for battle until we have spent time in prayer. So today what we're going to talk about is how we pray in spiritual battles. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Ephesians 6. Verse 18 is where I'll start. Uh, I'll read to the end of the chapter, which is the end of the book, but primarily verses 18, 19, and 20 are where the message is going to come from. Scripture says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, 
watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. And for me, that utterance be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make it known and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you may also know my affairs and how I do, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister of the Lord, shall make known to you all things, whom I have sent to you for the same purpose, that you might know our affairs, that he might be a comfort to your hearts. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We do cry out to you for wisdom and guidance as we seek to to arm ourselves, to put on the whole armor of God that we can stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. As we look at what you have revealed to us in this last part of Ephesians, open our hearts and minds to receive it so that we can be a people of prayer that would cry out to you regularly. Uh, And Lord, just cry out to you in the ways that would strengthen our hearts, draw us closer to you, enable us to better intercede for others. Fill me with your spirit this morning. Help me to have clarity of thought and clarity of speech, not to be a hindrance in any way to what you once said. Use this time we have together. Use it to strengthen us. Use it to encourage us. Use it to make us better able to go and be lights that shine brightly for Jesus, we ask in His name. Amen. Now, as Paul wraps up his teaching on the armor of God, and really on the book of Ephesians as a whole, he turns to the topic of prayer. Because prayer allows us to tap into the power of God. We need to wield the sword of the Spirit and to wear the armor of God. We we cannot win spiritual battles in our own power. That's just not a possibility. I mean, this is think about how Paul started this section. He started this section by telling us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Right? We need something beyond ourselves. If we're going to be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to still be standing in order to access God's power, we must be a people of prayer. Prayer connects us to the power of God, which enables us to be ready for the battle so we can be victorious. Right. So our our key truth today is we prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate Prayer. We prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. And I want to give you five ways to prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. Five ways to pray. Number one, pray consistently. But Paul starts off in verse 18 by saying, pray always. We have to be sure we have a regular, consistent time of prayer. I would say a daily time of prayer. Here's an interesting fact. Studies in American culture regularly show in times of distress, in times when things go wrong, virtually all Americans turn to prayer. This is true whether they believe in Jesus or not. Unbelievers pray when someone in their family gets sick. Unbelievers pray when they lose their job. Unbelievers pray if their marriage starts falling apart. Unbelievers pray if there's a global pandemic that locks them in their house for weeks on end. And this is true for pretty much all unbelievers, except for your more hardcore atheists. You know, the sad fact, and it is sad, many times those of us who believe in Jesus, we don't pray anymore, any more consistently than an unbeliever does. As long as life is fine, we go through... Rarely giving God a, I won't say not giving God a second thought, but certainly not giving Him the the place of honor and devotion and the seeking Him in prayer He deserves. But when the world is thrown into chaos, immediately we turn to prayer. If I can 
paraphrase James, I would say, my brethren, these things ought not be so. As disciples of Jesus, who know the power of God, have experienced the love of God, and know the reality of spiritual warfare, prayer should be a regular part of our lives. Because we know, we know, that in order to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might in the day of battle, we have to be prayed up. I mean, we know that. That's why we pray when things go badly. We know when things go badly, we need God. And so we turn to God. But as believers, we shouldn't wait until things go badly before we turn to God. We should have a regular, consistent time of prayer with God always. I mean, it should be the exception and not the rule that we don't have a daily time of prayer. And the most common reason given for not praying is I just don't have time. But let me ask, is that really true? Is it really true we don't pray because we don't have the time to pray? You know, each person has the same amount of time each and every day. Those who pray consistently have the same amount of time in their day as the person who doesn't pray consistently. What makes the difference? Priorities. Those who pray consistently prioritize prayer. And those who don't pray consistently don't prioritize prayer. And I think for myself. If I have time to piddle on social media, I have time to pray. Right now we're on a kick of watching The Mentalist on Amazon Prime. If I have time to watch Patrick Jane track down Red John or the other bad guys, I have time to pray. If you have time to exercise, you have time to pray. If you have time to read a fiction book, you have time to pray. If you have time to, to, to do any hobby, anything that we do during the day, you have time to pray. It's, it's just all a matter of priorities. We will do what matters to us. And if we're going to be strong in spiritual battles so that we can stand in the evil day and having done all to stand... We need to have a consistent time of prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. It is definitely good to turn to the Lord when the world becomes chaotic. In that time, we need it. But imagine with me for a second. What would happen to a soldier who waited to prepare for battle until he was in the heat of battle? What would happen to a soldier who waited until the enemy was shooting before he loaded his rifle? Before he loaded his magazine, before he put on his helmet, before he put on his flak vest, before he got his boots on. Oh man, it would be devastating for him. It would be devastating for his buddies who depend upon him to be alongside them fighting in the battle. It is no less devastating for us when we wait until the moment of chaos before we begin to pray. We will be ill-equipped and unprepared for the battle if we do not pray in advance. If we want to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, we must be prepared through prayer. If we want to be strong in the Lord, we must seek that through prayer. If we are a prayerless people, we should not be surprised we are a powerless people. We must ensure we have a consistent, regular time of prayer. Make it a priority in our lives. Right? We prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. So we must pray consistently. Secondly, pray in the Spirit. Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Scripture says, teaches us to pray to the Father 
in the name of the Son, through the power of the Spirit. Paul says, pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? Well, when we pray in the Spirit, we pray under His influence. We pray with His energy. We pray through His guidance. We seek His help as we approach the throne of grace. We intentionally seek the Holy Spirit to help us to pray. We need the Holy Spirit's help as we pray. The Bible says in Romans 8, 26 and 27, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our infirmities. For we know not how we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now as we face spiritual battles, we have the greatest assets, the greatest resources imaginable. We have prayer. The Bible says that we go to the throne of grace where we will find grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us. Jesus has given us the right and the privilege of going to God and seeking His help anytime we need it. And because of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives within us and will guide us as we pray. Now notice how the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. First, He helps us in our weakness or our infirmities, as the King James says. Now, there are any number of, of weaknesses we could have. Right? We could be easily distracted. You find it hard to concentrate when you pray. Too many things beeping and booping and bopping all around you. Too many other things to do. That's a weakness. That's an infirmity. And the Holy Spirit can help us overcome that. We could wrestle with seeing the benefits of prayer. Have you prayed for a long time for the same thing and seeing no movement on it? And you wonder, is this doing any good? It's a weakness. The Holy Spirit can help us with that. Do we like we could lack the desire to pray? Listen, we wouldn't want to admit that, but I bet we all know what it is to sit down to pray and just think, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'd rather go to YouTube. I'd rather go Netflix. That's a weakness. And the Holy Spirit can help us with that. We could think we're too busy to pray. I've just got too much to do today to sit down, stop everything, and pray. It's a weakness, and the Holy Spirit can help us with that. We could be praying just to check our box. Well, I'm supposed to pray. Dear Lord, guide me this day. Help me. Bless this food and nourishment to my body. In Jesus' name, amen. Boom. I'm done. It's a weakness, and the Holy Spirit can help us with that. All of these weaknesses, and, and more I didn't mention, are things the Holy Spirit can help us to overcome so we can pray passionately to prepare for spiritual battles. The Holy Spirit will help us because we don't always know how we ought to pray, right? Uh, we know not what we should pray for as we ought. I'm sure we've all had experiences where we wanted to pray for someone or about something. We were probably even burdened in our heart about it, but we just didn't know the right words to say. I mean, any number of circumstances can come into our lives and leave us without any idea about how to pray. Maybe we don't know the words to say. Maybe we don't know what God's will is in this particular situation. Maybe we don't even fully know what the situation is. How do we pray in those times? We pray in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be our helper. He will make intercession for us. He, he literally joins with us. And He takes what we offer. And, and even when we don't know the right words, He takes our imperfect prayers. He perfects them and He lifts them up to the Father as exactly what we would have prayed if we knew what to pray. The Holy Spirit helps us in our time of prayer when we don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit can also bring people to our minds or lay burdens on our heart. 
Right? Sometimes as we pray or while we read scripture or just we're going through our day, people or circumstances will come to our minds or we'll start to feel a burden in our heart for them. These could very well be the Holy Spirit prompting us to pray. But we should not ignore those promptings and those thoughts and those ideas. Rather, we should use that and say, the Holy Spirit is leading me to pray. I didn't know, but now I do. And I don't know what the deal is and I don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit will help and make intercession as I pray. And the Holy Spirit often does this through groanings which cannot be uttered. I kind of like that phrase myself because there are times where the burden becomes so severe, the struggles become so heavy, we feel we can't, we just can't bear them. And in those times, it seems like words are impossible. Our emotions are too strong. Our hearts are too heavy. And maybe in those times, if you're like me, you've had times where you you really can't do anything but almost just sob and say, God, oh God, oh God. This is what I've always heard the old timers call groaning in the Spirit. That's what I see as this kind of prayer. We are so burdened we don't have the words, but the Holy Spirit knows. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what we want to pray. And He can take that. And He intercedes for us to God. How, how precious it is to know the Holy Spirit lives within us. And intercedes for us according to the will of God. If we are to pray effectively for spiritual battles... We must learn to let the Holy Spirit lead us as we pray. We must learn to pray in the Spirit. We prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. So we must pray in the Spirit. Thirdly, pray for others. Right? So we pray consistently. You pray in the Spirit. And you pray for others. Now Paul says not only to pray, but watching thereunto... With perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, the word watch, as it's used there, it it kind of literally means to be sleepless. It carries with it the idea of being awake or on guard. Part of the idea we need to get from this is we can't go to sleep in our battle with the enemy. We must always be on guard, watching for his attacks, his wiles, his deception. Because bad things go to happen. Bad things happen when people go to sleep on guard. Now, notice the connection between watching and praying for others. Right? Paul has already mentioned praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. But now we're to watch thereunto in prayer with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We're to watch and pray. And in that watching and praying, we pray for others. With this, I believe there is an extra emphasis on local churches praying for one another. And don't get me wrong, it's great to pray for people in other parts of the world all, all over the place. We absolutely should, as the needs are made known to us. There should be an extra burden for us to pray for our church family, for people who are a part of our local church. This is why I think it falls, praying for others falls under the heading of watching. Part of what it means to watch is to stay alert. Again, sure, we can pray for those all over the place if the needs are made known to us. But we should watch so we can see when needs are going on in the lives of our church family. But a part of being a family is watching out for one another. Being aware, being alert, seeing what's going on and lifting one another up to God and asking God to intercede on their behalf. We should be alert and watchful enough of our church family to recognize a physical need someone in our church family is having and pray about what needs to be done. 
we should be watchful and alert enough to recognize a spiritual need someone in our church family is having and pray for them, for God to meet that need. We should be alert enough to recognize an emotional need someone in our church family is having so we can pray for them and for God to comfort them and help them as only He can. It is critical for members of a local church to pray for one another. I know right now we are all bogged down in quarantine, but we should still know enough about what's going on in one another's life to pray for one another. Now some of this we should just know. Right? We've only been in quarantine a few weeks now. What was going on in people's lives before all this happened? Well, probably it's still going on, only worse. We should also know by seeing what they post on social media. You know, social media reveals a lot about what people feel, what they're thinking, what's going on in their lives. But we should see that and recognize it and begin to pray for it. But some of this requires us to check on one another as well. When was the last time you called or you texted or you sent an instant message to someone outside of your immediate family and you said, how are you doing? How can I pray for you today? I'm talking about actually reaching out to the person as an individual. right? Not just a general, can I pray for you to the world, but reaching out to the one person. And saying, hey, I'm calling you. Hey, I'm texting you. How are you? How can I pray for you? This is a part of watching and praying. This is a part of what it means to look not out for only for our own interests, but also for the interests and the needs of others. This is a part of being spirit-filled and spirit-led as the Holy Spirit will lead us to pray for others, to reach out to them. It's a part of being a family. Families care for one another. It's the same for a church family. We must watch out for one another. And watching out for one another requires us to pray for one another. We prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. And that requires us to pray for others. Fourthly, we pray for the gospel to advance. Pray for the gospel to advance. When we talk about spiritual warfare and how to push back the darkness in our community, the question arises, what is the best way to do it? How do we push back the darkness in Guyman, Goodwell, Hooker, Texhoma, and the surrounding areas? Do we do it through politics, through legislation? Those are the most common ways, but they often... Often they always fail because those are not God's ways. The primary way we push back the darkness is through the advancement of the gospel. The darkness is always pushed back. It is always pierced. It is always done away with as the light of the gospel shines into more hearts and into more lives and people are redeemed. This is why in verse 19 and 20, Paul asks for them to pray for the advancement of the gospel. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to know, to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. There are three ways to pray for the gospel to advance in our community, right? Oop, I didn't put them up on the slides. <laughs> One, pray for opportunities. Right? Pray for opportunities to tell other people about Jesus. And I think with this we pray for two different groups of people. Those we know and those we don't know. We all know people that don't know Jesus. And they need to know Jesus. And our relationship with them gives us the opportunity to talk to them and share Jesus with them in a way other people may not have. So we pray for opportunities. We pray for the conversations we would normally have with him to turn to something that would be a spiritual conversation so we could then begin to tell them about Jesus. Man, in this time right now we're living in, there is so much that can give us opportunities to turn the conversation to Jesus. But we also want to pray for those we don't know. 
How many people in this next week are we going to encounter? Again, I know we're on quarantine. But I don't think there's anybody in Gaiman actually living in their house and not getting out any. Right? We get out, we go out, we see people. How many of those people know Jesus and how many don't? How many of those times we see people, could the conversation turn to spiritual things so, so we could share Jesus with them? Pray they would. Pray for clarity. Right, a part of being a faithful witness for the gospel, for Jesus, is actually verbally sharing the gospel. I mean, at some point, if someone's going to be saved, somebody has to tell them the good news of great joy about a Savior who died. Now, the message of the gospel is ultimately a, a simple message. Not simplistic, but it's simple. 1 Corinthians 3 and 4 kind of give us the pattern. Jesus died for our sins according to Scripture, and He rose from the dead according to Scripture. That's the message. And then people must respond to the message by repenting of their sin, turning from their sin, and believing in Jesus Christ. Now, we want to pray that as the opportunities arise and we take them, that we would be clear. Right? I mean, Paul prays that utterance would be given to him. That's what he's saying. He wants them to pray that he would say the right things at the right times and be clear on the gospel. And then thirdly, pray for boldness. Now, I'm, I'm encouraged by this because Paul prays. He asked them to pray that he would open his mouth boldly to speak the word. In fact, he mentioned speak boldly in verse 20 as well. I like that the apostle Paul wanted them to pray for boldness. Boldness is needed to share the gospel. Because it's bold to say, this is what's right. It's always right and you need to repent of your sins. And you must believe in Jesus Christ. Now boldness about the gospel isn't about a particular character trait, right? A, a person who is normally timid and introverted can be bold to share the gospel through the Holy Spirit and His filling and guiding them in their lives. So we're not saying, God, I'm not a, I'm a timid person. Make me a new creature, a new person so that I'm bold now. We may not be that way. But in the moment when the gospel needs to be shared, we need a holy boldness which the Holy Spirit can and will give to us. We should pray for boldness. So the gospel will advance in Gaiman. The darkness will be pushed back. That's how we fight and win spiritual battles. We prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. So we must pray for the gospel to advance. And then finally, pray without ceasing. Paul says in, in verse 18, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, I went out of order on purpose. Praying with perseverance means we're not giving up. Praying without ceasing. We must pray and we must watch and never give up. We have to do this because the enemy of our souls never gives up. I mean, you think about when he tempted Jesus. He tempted Jesus. Jesus won. And Luke's gospel says that Satan left until a more opportune time. You know what that meant? He was coming back. It wasn't over. That wasn't a once for all victory. It wasn't for Jesus. It won't be for us. We need to watch. We need to pray. In the book of Genesis, we're told the story of two brothers, Cain and Abel. And these brothers bring an offering to God. God accepts Abel's offering, but He doesn't accept Cain's. Cain became very upset. And look at what God said to him. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. There's a lot in that verse I would like to go into, but we just don't have time this morning. There's three things I do want to point out that we have to see. Sin lies at the door. Right? This picture's a lion crouching 
waiting for the opportune moment to pounce. Sin is always waiting for the right moment to pounce on our lives. And there's a lot in this world to entice us. There's our own sinful nature which pulls us to do what's wrong. There are the enticements of the world. And then there is just Satan at work actively tempting and doing what he can to lead people astray. If we're not watching, if we're not praying, if we're not aware, it will pounce. It lies at the door and it will pounce on us. Secondly, sin's desire is for us. Right? And unto thee shall be his desire. Sin's desire is us. Sin doesn't desire just to coexist in our life. Sin will never be happy just to occupy a portion of our life. Sin enslaves. Sin makes us subject to it. Sin's desire is total domination and subjection to our lives. We have to understand that enticement that's there to pounce and to enslave and eventually destroy us. Thirdly, thou shalt rule over him. We must master sin. I mean, if we do not master sin, sin will master us. If we do not consistently make choices that prevent sin from dominating and destroying our lives, sin will dominate and destroy our lives. And that's a lot. We must watch. This is going on right now in this moment. And it will be going on tomorrow and every day. As long as we live in this world, sin is crouching at the door. Sin's desire is to dominate And sin must be mastered by us. Those are choices. Realities. Always going on in our life. So we cannot stop watching. We cannot stop praying. We must persevere in staying alert. We must persevere in pray. The moment we think we're good to go. And let our guard down. Sin will pounce. Sin will dominate. And sin will devastate in our lives. We also have to persevere in praying for one another. In Ezekiel 22:30 and 31, it's one of my very favorite passages. It says God says I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out mine indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed Upon their heads, saith the Lord. Now this passage is powerful when it comes to praying for other people. Because what it tells us is this was a time when Israel was in rebellion against God. And God was fed up and about to pour out His wrath upon them. But God is merciful and does not want to pour out His wrath upon us. So He was looking for a reason really to not pour out His wrath. So he looked to see if he could find anyone praying for the nation. Anyone praying for God to spare them. And if he found even one, he would have spared them. But finding none, he poured out his wrath upon them. What a tragedy. The tragedy of this is that it could have been averted if someone, anyone, had been praying for Israel. When someone is going through a spiritual battle, your prayers for them may be the only thing sustaining them. When someone is headed headlong into sin, your prayers for them may be the only reason God is sparing them. Our prayers for one another are powerful and important. I think on this side of eternity, we will never know how powerful our prayers for one another truly were. The tragedy, the ultimate tragedy really would be someone lost a spiritual battle that we knew, we saw. But they lost because no one was praying for them. We have to persevere in watching others and praying for others. 
We cannot stop. We cannot give up. Maybe we don't see movement. Maybe we don't see them turning back to the Lord. Maybe we don't see them making any decisions that would cause them to master their sin rather than letting their sin master them. We still can't quit. We still can't give up. We must continue to pray. We prepare for spiritual battles through periods of passionate prayer. So we must pray without ceasing. Now something important for us to understand about it, this sort of commitment to prayer is a commitment to prayer begins with a commitment to Jesus. John's Gospel says, We know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth His will, him he heareth. But the commitment to Jesus begins by repenting and believing. Repentance is a change of mind about God and sin resulting in a change of life. Repentance starts by recognizing God is right and we are wrong. God is right about our sin. We have sinned. It is against Him. It is serious. It does make us guilty. And it leaves us without any sort of righteousness. We also recognize God's right about Jesus. He did pay the penalty for our sins. He did absorb the wrath in our place. His righteousness can be given to us so we can be reconciled to God and be adopted as His dear children. And repentance leads us to turn from our sin, turn to God, believing in Jesus. But belief isn't meant in a general way. Right, the kind of belief that brings salvation. It's not just believing there is a God out there somewhere. That's not enough. It's really not even believing there was a guy named Jesus who lived at some point in the past. That's not enough. The kind of believing that gives us access to the, the grace of God that saves us is believing Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for your sins. You have to believe for you Jesus died for your sins. You have to believe Jesus rose from the dead. You have to believe Jesus is the only hope you have. This is really one of the stumbling blocks for the gospel. Especially as Americans where we want to say we've pulled ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But we haven't. If I believe that me and Jesus saved me, I'm, I'm not saved. I have to believe it was all of Jesus. I believed and Jesus did all the saving. I didn't fix myself. I didn't turn myself around. I didn't turn over a new leaf. I believed and Jesus saved me. Part of believing in Jesus is letting go of our claims for we've saved ourselves, we're good enough. It's letting go of our own sense of self-righteousness and self-sufficiency. It is saying, apart from Jesus, I am hopeless, I am helpless, I am Ruined for all of eternity. Today, if you have never repented of your sins, you've never believed in Jesus Christ, this is your greatest need. Everything, everything, everything. It starts there. You cannot have a commitment to prayer that is powerful if you do not first have a commitment to Jesus. Repent and believe today. Let's pray. Our Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We are thankful for your word and the guidance we receive in it. We are thankful for the privilege of prayer. that We can, through Christ, come boldly to the throne of grace where we will find mercy and grace to help us in a time of need. Make us a praying people. Make us a people who prepare for spiritual battles with periods of passionate prayer. Guide us 
in this. And let us seek you, Lord, always about these things. Make us to be strong in you and in the power of your might. So we can stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Give us wisdom in the days to come to know what you'd have us to do. And let us do it no matter what we ask in the mighty name of Christ our Savior. Amen. Right now, before I close, let me mention just a a couple of things. One, watch for an announcement about communion. Uh, We have these little communion cups. And it's got everything you need to take communion. It's got a wafer on top. And it's got the juice in here. And we're going to do communion this week through online. We'll either do it through on Friday uh, as a part of our Good Friday Facebook Live. Or we'll do it next Sunday after the service. Right now I'm just trying to figure out the logistics of making sure everybody gets a cup. Um, so we can all take communion together. I will be here if you want to come get some. Um, and if you can't get out, we'll maybe send me a message and we'll try to get them to you. But we want I've got to find a way to get a communion cup to everybody in our church family so we can all take communion. Also, all this week we're gonna do I'm gonna do live at five, um, focusing on Holy Week. I'm even gonna to start today. Today is Palm Sunday, and so I'm gonna do a, a short, they'll all be short this week, uh, but devotion based upon Palm Sunday, give us a a prayer focus for today, and just kind of guide our hearts and minds, because it does not feel like Holy Week around here when nobody's out, nobody's in church, but it is. Easter is next Sunday, and so our Facebook Live this week, um, every day this week is going to be focused on Holy Week. And, And then finally, the needs of the church, they do continue, so please be generous to give. Our church has always been very generous to give, so continue to be that way. You can give by mailing your check-in, uh, Northridge Free Will Baptist Church, Post Office Box 1707, Diamond, Oklahoma, 73942. If you mail that in, we will make sure, Lavina will pick it up and make sure that you get it. Also, you can drop a check off while I'm at church. I, I'm here every weekday pretty much. Uh, typically not Fridays, but I probably will be here some this Friday. I, I'm here at least at noon. Whatever time I get here, whatever time I leave, I'm almost always here around noontime. So if you want to come by, uh, drop it off, I can give you a, a, a check or an envelope. You can seal it or you can bring it in a sealed envelope and I will give it to Lavina and make sure she gets it. Or you can give online. Now that is the actual address. There's no spaces. Um, you type that in and it will take you to a, a pop-up box that is, it'll have our little logo up in the upper think left-hand corner, and you can type in the amount you want to give. You can set whether you want that to be a regular every week or what, however you want to do it, and it will go to the church, right? And so that is a way to give online if you cannot get out or you don't want to mail a check-in. It is an easy, easy way to give. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. I love you guys.